1: Hi there and welcome to The Syrupcast. You're listening to episode 149. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, November 30th. The Syrupcast is a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and sometimes funny discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystems. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic. Returning to the pod after a well-deserved staycation is Patrick O'Rourke. How's it going, Pat?
2: I'm good. I'm still looking for Super Mario cereal. Okay, okay. Will it ever come to... Canada. i'll, talk, I'll, I'll the, talk about it later we have to let the okay. listeners like sit St- waiting with bated breath for for the answer
1: okay i like this idea also joining uh this week's episode is mobile Syrup senior reporter uh rose Bihar otherwise known as new reliable
3: yeah that's right pat while you were away i sort of got a promotion of sorts into your uh, spot
2: and you got demotion.
1: yeah you got a demotion you know
2: <laughs> I feel like i deserve it for not being here uh, and last but
1: certainly not least, we have Samir Chabra, who's technically not an intern. Not an intern. But in my heart. Not an intern. Will always be an intern. Literally not an intern. How's it going, Samir? It's going pretty
0: well. How are you, Igor?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Um, if you've been living under a rock, and I wouldn't blame you for it because the world is in a terrible state of affairs, um, tomorrow's December 1st, which means.
3: No. no more locking of smartphones in Canada. Woo. It's pretty exciting, but will it make a difference? Will it, will it stoke competition? That's what me and Samir tried to look into by talking to analysts and by sort of trying to get the carriers to talk in our recent feature. Mm-hmm.
1: And to find out all that, you'll have to tune in next week just kidding <laughs> uh, so you guys you guys did a fantastic job uh writing up that piece it there were so many moving parts from uh, in it i should say um what do
3: you it got? was very touching piece it a was, lot of emotion a lot of yes heart.
0: it it really did strain us but we we managed to power through it, <laughs> it we persevered it was a great story
3: thanks guys, <laughs> thanks,
1: guys. um where do you want to start talking about this piece
3: I guess we'll just touch on the basics um, to begin with. So for, for those who don't know or just weren't following the story closely, uh, the CRTC in June came back with decisions for its revisions of the wireless code, which was first instated in, uh, in 2013 and which led to two-year contracts, among other things. And, uh, oh, there's our special guest, Hewitt, by the way. Mm -hmm. Hewitt is in every episode. Just listen very closely for the dog breathing. Um, And she's adorable. Okay, so back to what I was saying. Uh, In the wireless code revisions uh, made just recently, the CRTC mandated that carriers could no longer lock smartphones to their network, which means that... Uh, carriers would lock smartphones to their network and not allow them to be used on other networks. So if you're with Bell, you couldn't just go to TELUS with your Samsung device that you purchased through Bell, unless you paid a little fee, which was about $50 at most mm-hmm. carriers. So uh, uh, Freedom Mobile and other consumer advocates argued that it was sort of toxic revenue, Um there was no purpose to that unlocking fee and that smartphone manufacturers as they actually do just create phones (laughs) unlocked and that's the natural state of the smartphone in the wild as, as you might say and uh, carriers then uh, required them or requested them to be locked to those networks. So now that's no longer happening. Any phone that is sold uh, from December 1st forward Will uh, it should be unlocked, though we have seen some carriers saying that they will be selling locked phones, but they'll have instructions on them mm-hmm. as to how to unlock them. And any old phone that you have uh, is unlockable for free, which is super cool. Um, but, but we're not entirely sure yet whether it's going to refer to people who've purchased, say, like a TELUS phone from a previous customer. Um, you know, if, if there is a bit of a long lineage of that that phone's history, we don't totally know how that's going to work. I'm I'm thinking that any phone that is locked to a certain network, that network will be compelled to unlock it for free. So
2: that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So you already answered my question.
3: Sorry, <laughs> talked right over it. I steamrolled. <laughs> But that's all the basics of how the the locking, uh, the unlocking fee ban works. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to go a little further in depth and talk to the carriers about it, and also talk to some analysts, which I thought brought up maybe the more interesting points because Who you can go, <laughs> yeah, you can go to our, our our feature and see how the different carriers say that they're going to handle the the different unlocking processes. But what is really interesting is a question of whether this is going to change anything, and how easy it is going to be to unlock and that sort of thing.
1: So, before broaching that question, I did want to ask first: was was there any statement from, or was there a statement from a carrier that particularly stood out for you two? And you can answer differently.
3: I think for me, I would say freedom. Um, Most of the carriers, it should be noted, answered pretty cautiously after a long amount of time. And didn't say very much. And freedom was among them, but it did point out it was sort of more excited than the others in uh, having in speaking about customers coming to them with yeah. unlocked phones, which we we should note and we have noted in the article. It, it's not guaranteed that you'll be able to use uh, LTE devices that are sort of 2016 or older as many weren't compatible with uh, the band 66 LTE that they have. So, and, and that's a temporary thing. They're working on that, but, um, but they did sort of say that they were excited about that. And um, which makes sense because they were sort of large lobbyists behind the whole change.
0: Quite frankly, um, I am not surprised by really any of the responses that we got from any of the carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, was expecting the big three to be very cautious i was expecting them to be rather judicious with their responses and to no surprise they were cautious and judicious with their responses um yes freedom i suppose was a little interesting but again considering who they are and and, and the work they've done um again not not terribly surprising there
1: okay uh, then, so moving on to the analyst uh, portion of the feature, which I think for both of you was probably the more interesting part to Absolutely. write out. Absolutely, yes. Um, I think one interesting thing that kind of came out through both what the analyst said, and I think it was something on the top of mind for commenters, was at the end of the day, is this going to have a net benefit for uh, Canadian consumers, specifically will... You know, Canadian carriers find some way to kind of recuperate uh, whatever uh, revenue they lose through losing the uh, unlocking fees through some new, uh, who knows what kind of fee. Um, what is the sense you two get, like just from speaking to these analysts um, and kind of your own thoughts on it, starting with you, Samir?
0: So just to just to go over it one more time. So we spoke with Open Media. Uh, we spoke with the Public Interest Advocacy Center (PIAC), um, mm-hmm. and we also spoke. I also spoke with Howard Maker, who is the Commissioner of the CCTS, which is the CRTC's Complaints Department. Uh, and I, also, I reached out to the CWTA, which is the Canadian Wireless Telecom Association. That's sort of like the. And that's sort of like the uh, the industry working group uh, you know put together by the industry to sort of police themselves and so forth, but ultimately, what I thought was optimistic um was that all the people that we spoke with that I spoke with all said that this is going to have a net positive mm-hmm. impact on Canadians granted um it's not like it's you know if, if zero is the baseline where nothing changes and negative one hundred is really bad and negative uh, and positive one hundred is really good, I think most of them were like you know positive twenty like the mm-hmm. thing is we all see the benefits to this. We, we all see the fact that we're going to be able to save money and hopefully it's going to increase competition in the market. But one of the things that John Lawford from the PIAC specifically raised was a, a subject that you touched on very briefly, uh, Igor, which is that, yes, carriers aren't going to be getting this $37.7 million from Canadian consumers, but they're probably going to find some way to make that money elsewhere. And that's interesting because as I raised and as Rose raised in her article back, back in June – um the top three carriers in Canada earned about seven billion dollars last year so 37.7 million uh compared to seven billion is a drop in the bucket that's almost nothing but in spite of the mm. fact that and, it's...
3: and 37 million was across all carriers yes. over one mm-hmm. year period so you know like and then seven billion is just the top three so yeah if you look at it it's quite a small drop in the bucket
0: and is it, it the thing is though what John Lawford pointed out was that yes it's a small drop in the bucket but don't worry, they're probably going to find some way to make that money back because, of course, they're, they're a business. All these carriers are businesses, and whether or not they appear to be pro-consumer, uh, they're still very much in it for themselves. So, to answer the or the original question, yes. Net positive outcome there's going to be a benefit to consumers but ultimately we're still stuck at we don't really know how they're going to recuperate those losses we don't know what small caveats they're going to introduce to make it more difficult for consumers um, and actually i know I'm, i I'll, I'll hold the floor to you rose in a second but one of the interesting things they uh, they pointed out or that john lawford pointed out rather was that Yes, you're going to be able to unlock your phone, but how difficult is it really going to be to unlock your phone? In, in our minds, in my mind and John Lawford's mind, and I, I imagine in the minds of the, the people of the podcast here, really getting an unlocking code should be a matter of submitting your phone number, submitting your, 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 your uh, cell phone make and model to an online database, not even going to a store, and getting the code in 10 minutes, you know, 20 minutes, that kind of thing. But are you going to have to go in store? Are you going to have to go download an application like the MyBell app? Are you going to have to make a phone call and listen to someone on the other end try to sell you uh, another crazy package? You know, are you going to have to sign up? All these things, or, or, or rather, are you going to have to avoid signing up for something because you're being pitched and trying being sold these things just to get this code? That's something that uh, also we're going to have to wait and see and find out.
1: Well, what's so. interesting, if I can just quickly comment, um, is um Tomorrow is the first, officially the first day when this is supposed to be enacted. Um, These carriers have had what I would think is plenty of time to implement these systems, and yet they were very vague about how the actual mechanics of unlocking your current device will work.
3: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, what we've heard so far is just that it will happen as it always has in the past, which is generally through customer service channels through phone or through... um, retail stores it would be much more convenient if it was you're able to do it just through the app or through an online portal um, but i we haven't seen a lot of that so uh, i think what we can expect is just through the standard retail channels at which point samir we do come to your issue of you probably uh will try uh, somebody will try and sell you something uh, additionally
0: and again it should, it should be mentioned the again there is no fee so if you walk into a, a Bell store or a Freedom store or a Rogers store tomorrow, um, you're going to be able to unlock your phone. That's 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 the rule. That is the law now. Um, they're not going to charge you anything. But again,
3: well, time is money. Time and is it money. It might take time. I mean, yeah. Like
0: you're 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 spending time to go to the store. You're spending time to have to sit through this whole conversation. You're going to have to, you know, again, it, it's a whole thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I think you raised a lot of interesting points there. Uh, particularly how they're going to recuperate the costs. And I know we'd spoke about this before, but uh, to me, I think the, so the actual money that they're losing is one aspect of it, but it's not much more than like what they bring in from pay phones. Like I think they, uh, that's not the worst part of this for them. The worst part for carriers is the fact that it's going to be easier to lose customers now there's less of a stickiness for customers.
2: Do you think that's something that consumers will do though? Like jump from carrier to carrier? Cause then people are like, even if they have an unlocked phone there, they're almost trained uh, to some extent that they have to stick with that carrier. You know what I mean? Like it's easier to jump to a new one, but you still have to jump. There's still hoops that you have to move through to, to get to that point.
3: When people in people's minds, uh, locked phones and contracts go together. We've had some people that's comment true, yeah. on our story uh, so you can unlock your phone, even if you're in the middle of your contract. Well, the two things are unrelated, but um, it, it's not how it seems, right? The contract is this binding thing. Everybody's terrified of it. How much will I have to pay out if I break my phone or if something happens and I have to get a new one? Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. And, and that's another question is just how how is this going to be communicated, uh, I don't think it will be communicated uh, very broadly because I think the carriers would prefer if there's still a sense that you are tied to them. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sure that there won't be much of a campaign talking about it apart from, from maybe companies like Freedom Mobile. That they was might the, launch the big thing
2: that I sort of pulled from this was there doesn't seem to be. I don't think incentive is the right word, but there's no reason for the carriers to like let their customers know that this is a thing that they can do. Right? The CRTC hasn't um, included anything in this new mandate to force them to like inform their customers that this is something that they they can do. So I think uh, like the average customer, um, and don't get me wrong, like this is awesome. It's great, uh, and I think it's a great move. Uh, the, I don't, but I don't think the average customer is going to to even know that this is something they can do.
1: Yeah. Experience. So, how many do people do you predict even taking advantage of this tomorrow?
3: It's it's really interesting. We did get a lot of traction on our article, perhaps more than we had even expected. So, I think mm-hmm. people have heard about this. I think there's at least a little buzz amongst mobile enthusiasts, at least. Um, but I I uh, I I would say it's probably not going to be you know lineups like there is for like a new iPhone or something like that. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think i don't think they'll be overwhelmed people like
2: reason. just waiting for that day to be able Get to leave unlocked. rogers yeah. or yeah. to leave bell and they're like all excited they have it like marked on their calendar with a big x we
3: like. should to say too if you've got a phone recently there's a good chance that your phone is already unlocked because in preparation for this day a lot of carriers have started selling unlocked devices and they're just trying to sell out the the last stock of their their uh, locked devices so you may already, if you're a new mobile customer or new your new mobile device owner, you may already have an unlocked phone.
2: I'm, I'm sure the carriers would have some excuse to, for this not to happen. But what would have been really cool um, and great from a pro-consumer perspective would be if... Uh, all the carriers were forced to push out like an over-the-air update of some sort that unlocked phones to right. make it easy for for everybody.
3: Well, that was something that we initially had reported on. Um, I, we got an internal document. Uh, I think it was from Kudo, or it was for I, it was for uh, a variety of carriers going through one of the resellers, um, and there was uh, news that that Apple was planning to do such a thing, do an over the air unlocking update. Um, And we heard rumors that that in fact would have been possible, but was not, it was sort of shut down at the carrier level.
2: Yeah. Like only some carriers agreed with it Well, other, others weren't, weren't fond of the idea. So then Apple decided not to go through with it kind of thing, which we think is
3: it's like, it's very, it's fascinating um, to think that that, you know, perhaps could be made so seamless like that. And there's, Like over, uh, there's a good about half of mobile users in Canada who use iPhones. So that would have really simplified the Mm -hmm. process.
1: So what do you think of this notion that it will increase competition? Because I think something, a lot of what you guys have already said point to that not being the fact. For instance, you know, there are still these contracts, right? In which if you want to leave... You know, if you want to end, terminate your contract early, you obviously have to pay a significant sum to do so. Um, so in your mind, um, and maybe we start with you, Pat, because you've been so patient and quiet. Uh, That's what I'm good <laughs> at. Do you see this actually increasing competition or is it one of these half measures again?
2: I don't know. I, I don't. I think it's a good move for consumers, uh, but I, I, I don't think it's really going to change much for the average person buying a phone um and i mean the money that carriers get from from this like we talked about it earlier from from the unlocking fees uh isn't very substantial so i don't think it really affects their business from that perspective what rose said is really i I guess the key thing that it's going to change is uh customers can be a little more fluid with what carriers they want to go with um but I, i really don't see how it's gonna like it's good for consumers that are kind of in the know and know what's going on and Maybe those that have been interested in switching to a different carrier, they now have the opportunity to do so if they're locked into a contract. But from a broader sort of zoomed out perspective, I don't see it really changing anything in terms of competition in Canada.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take over. Um, first of all, just because something is a half-step measure, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, not going to you know, encourage a pro-consumer reaction. However, this is absolutely 100% a half-step measure. It's solving a problem that... People have certainly, uh, but it's not necessarily addressing the root cause of the issue. And and uh, of course, the root cause of the issue is is the fact that there are really only three major carriers um, in the country right now, with, with a number of smaller players and a number of flanker brands aimed at the you know more mid range market. And that's that's just the nature of the beast right now. John Lawford himself from the PIAc sort of said, "This is great news for consumers." However, this is still step number one this is addressing a symptom this is certainly not addressing the problem itself. Um, so you know yes this is this is a very good thing again I, I really I don't want to rain on anyone's parade. I certainly don't want to rain on, on Rose and my parade because again you know the story was a lot of fun to write and it was a lot of fun to research um, but ultimately uh, until we start you know having a, a broader push for you know more unlimited data plans until we have a, a broader push for more carriers being able to enter the market without having to be a subsidiary of one of the big three um, until we have MVNOs, uh, Wi-Fi first MVNOs. Um, We're really going to be seeing more and more of these half-step measures really aimed at fixing some of the problems that were created by the existing carriers. I don't think we're really going to see a major pro-consumer move until we have a brand new carrier uh, or a series of brand new carriers entering Mm -hmm. the market and really revitalizing things.
3: So I I think it's important. Um, the fifty dollar fee was wrong. It's important not to forget that it was just straight out wrong. It was it was not right to charge people that uh, it was a serve. It was a fee for nothing, right? You know, like it was just it was absolutely toxic revenue, as Freedom Mobile said.
2: Wasn't that something too that the CRTC mandated that the carriers had to do was to start offering? the ability to unlock at every carrier
3: um this time around or the previous no
2: before before like they I did, seem to remember something about that maybe i'm wrong
3: yeah they they did sort of mandate that it had to be more easily accessible okay. and you had to set a reasonable rate or something like that cuz i know there
2: was like different amounts at different carriers like some it was like 30 they, they, bucks yeah, some it was like they 100 they didn't enforce bucks.
3: it across the board of okay. like w- how much it had to be um but it did yeah, I think Jean Pierre Blais said he felt like he had uh, done it too late, like getting rid of the unlocking fee. Probably wished that he had done it in the first uh, wireless code. But um, no, I, I think it is important. And while yeah, it does feel like a half step, I think that's mainly what like the CRTC is able to do. It, it governs sort of these. It's able to impose these smaller regulations, and this was a good. This was a good use of that power. But in terms of actually generating competition, uh, what we need is stuff like the same sort of an easy access to spectrum for smaller players, for instance. That's not really, uh, you know, completely in the CRTC's jurisdiction. It's more under uh, innovation, science and economic development. So it's 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 and that is that's happening you know they're they're attempting to do something there and we'll see if freedom mobile makes it into a fourth player spot so I, i i'm not totally hopeless about this situation and i do think that overall it was an important decision to make and one that will help people uh not only move around from carrier to carrier more easily but also
1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's
0: quince.com slash upgrade.
3: Do roaming uh, more easily by going onto international carriers or using uh, SIM cards, which before previously you would have had to to unlock your phone before doing that. And uh, most people instead used the roaming programs that that uh, the Canadian carriers offer. So, I think it's I think it's important. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a half step, and I I would say it will stoke some competition. Yet to be seen how much.
1: Um, as we wind down, uh, there was one more question I wanted to ask you specifically, Rose, and that is, in your opinion, I guess, as I think about this. Um, I think a criticism you could level against the CRTC is that they didn't lay out maybe comprehensive enough guidelines or a vision of this how this would how this change would be implemented in the sense that, you know, a really smart thing for the CRTC to mandate would have been like you all have to work together to create some system where it makes it really easy to unlock your devices. And I guess the question I would ask is in, you know, maybe dealing with this regret of not having implemented this change earlier was kind of Jean-Pierre Blay, you know, maybe t- too quick to implement this, or that's not the right way to say it. I think the a better way would be, hmm, was it not like, I guess, it, comprehensive enough? If as Underdeveloped? A, as underdeveloped. A well, it, you know, regulation. in the rush to, you know, kind of, I guess, if we can say like seal his, you know, legacy and um, you know, determinate it. wasn't it not given enough time to kind of like really develop this idea so that it really is kind of the best version of it. That instead we have this kind of, as I said, half step version of it.
3: I think that's a really interesting point. And obviously it would be so much better if it was an easy comprehensive mm-hmm. system for unlocking. Um, but there is the issue that the carriers are a little tricky to work with, I would, mm-hmm. I would wager. So, asking them to create something um, is a difficult thing to request. I mean, we've already seen with other aspects of the wireless code, which are also coming into effect, um, that they've, Rogers and Tell us, have asked for more time mm-hmm. for, for systems related issues. Mm-hmm. Asking them to collaborate to create a system. They, the carriers would have said, we need two years for that. Uh, like, you know, they would have they would have said that's not possible for a long time. So at the very least, what we have now is the new phones are being unlocked. Even if it's not easy to unlock your old phones, at least all the, the new phones are being sold unlocked. But
1: aren't they collaborating
2: on pricing all the time?
3: Uh, yeah. Zing. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. You went there.
2: Yeah. They don't talk to each other. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: So instead of a second topic uh, this week, we have a reader question. Uh, This one comes from Scott Mayer. Scott, thank you so much for emailing us. And he he wants some buying advice, guys. And it comes at the perfect time because, you know, phones are unlocked now. Uh, It is finally time for me to replace my beloved Galaxy S4. And I'm looking for a device that can last a similar amount of time. I'm having trouble deciding between the camera and overall allure of the Pixel 2 versus a headphone jack and an extra 250 and fifty-ish dollars saved via the OnePlus 5. As most of the industry moves to a 2-to-1 uh, aspect ratio, is the 16-by-9 ratio of the Pixel going to be a barrier in the terms of future-proofing? Is there any indication of a, a Plus improving their software support uh, for least security? Is there another device that would offer, offer superior shelf life? As a side, why did MHL support have to die? So how do we want to tackle this one?
3: Oh, there's a lot of different interesting yeah. topics that <laughs> yeah. you brought up. I'm kind of intrigued by the idea that having a 16 by 9, like a asp- 16-9 aspect ratio is sort of leaving your device in the past and not future-proofing right, it. Right, yeah.
1: I think I w- if I had to speak from the heart, which I always do, <laughs> I would not worry about that. Like, um, really, like, in reviewing the OnePlus 5T, Uh, Going from the OnePlus 5, I was like, "Eh, you know, the screen is taller. It's a thing, you know, and some people are going to enjoy it more. Others are not going to enjoy it as much. Um, And really, it's what Rose said a couple podcasts ago, which is just the experience of using the overall device is I think what will bring you the most enjoyment from the device and also really kind of keep you there. Um, So that said, both of these devices offer really great software experiences. Um, I'd be hard to pick, like hard pressed to pick one that kind of edges out the other. Although I will say, you know, nicely with the Pixel 2, you're guaranteed to get updates. Whereas with the OnePlus 5T, I have no idea at this point. Yeah. You know,
2: so. Is he trying to decide between the two? Is that the gist of?
1: Yeah, he would also, you know, he's also open to ideas for another device. Um, It's interesting that, you know, Scott here, He's coming from an S4, but isn't thinking about an S8 or a Note 8. Um, Maybe just wants a change from, yeah. from
2: Samsung's world. Yeah. So,
3: Or is looking for something a little more affordable, although the yep. Pixel 2 is still pretty premium pricey. Mm-hmm.
2: So he's thinking about the Pixel 2, not the XL, obviously, right? Because he's talking about Who the... Who
1: in the right mind is thinking about the Pixel XL, <laughs>
0: Patrick? I'm still thinking about the Pixel 2 XL. Just me. A yeah. little bit. Not really.
2: No. <laughs> Um, I mean, I I really like phones that have minimal bezels. I find it I'm, I'm probably the opposite of you. I find mm-hmm. it difficult to go back to them mm-hmm. um, after using the iPhone N, the uh, iPhone N. That's an interesting <laughs> phone that i just yeah. made up. The iPhone X or the the Pixel 2 XL or like when I was playing around with your essential phone when you mm-hmm. had it at the office. Um, when I go back to like the iPhone 8 or an older device that kind of has more standard bezels. Like I was mm-hmm. looking at the the Moto Z Play uh, recently. I was cleaning my office at home and i found one Mm -hmm. um and they do look like older devices to me i i don't Mm -hmm. think it's a deal breaker um and i think it depends on what you want out of a phone right um i think there's a lot of truth to what you said in terms of just the experience being good being an important factor with a with a smartphone um but i just just me like my personal taste i find it really hard to go back to a device that has chunkier bezels um after sort of tasting the the slim bezels of the iPhone 10 <laughs> and the Pixel 2 XL.
1: Yeah, that's fair. The one thing I will say that will, I think, greatly affect your shelf life uh, and enjoyment of these devices is definitely the camera. Like, I think yeah. just the Pixel 2 camera, especially compared to the 5T, is in a class of its own. And really, really good. Yeah, and I can foresee... You're gonna have a great experience with the one plus, especially if you like depending on which model you get, but I think both, you know, you have a really modern processor, lots of RAM, lots of storage, but what is gonna feel like is holding you back and where like your phone is gonna feel really dated in a year or two is just using that camera on that phone. Because it like that's where for me the five T really falls apart. Like Was
2: it was it really that bad? Like would I mean someone who how do I phrase this as someone who's not like super well versed in photography? Would they see a significant difference between totally. the two photos? They I think, would? okay,
1: not to use this terrible pun, but it is night and day, um, <laughs> yep. you know, um, cool. so
3: yeah, I think so too. It's uh, partly, I think it's the low light and partly it's the HDR, but you'll find that you get more, um, of you. Better low light shooting, and then more of the kind of like full scene and full color mm-hmm. coming through.
2: The low light Searchers. on the Pixel Two is so good; like it's it's better than mm-hmm. even what Apple's doing with with the iPhone Eight and the X and, and the Ten camera. Like it's, I, I haven't used a phone that has that good low light performance.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you know, again, there's the fact that like you're getting the updates straight from Google. So um, I think OnePlus, and I could be wrong, has committed to like two ver- two major releases of Android, right? So supporting In the case of the 5T, you have 7.1, and then you're going to definitely get Oreo. But then beyond that, it's somewhat of an open question. Whereas for the Pixel, you have two years definitely of support. So that means you definitely have Oreo, you definitely have whatever comes next, and then very likely you have comes after that as well. Um, Yeah,
3: Pancake is next, I heard.
1: Yes, Pancake. Mm, Delicious. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: I
0: would love if that was a name.
1: Yeah, Samir, anything to
0: add? Honestly, um, so I should probably preface all of this by saying that I have not extensively used um, any of the major flagship devices other than the Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. Hmm? Um, so I, I, I'm an ardent supporter of that. But if uh, if this individual wants to step outside of the Samsung ecosystem, then certainly the the S8 Plus isn't going to change things. It's still very mm-hmm. much. Um, geared towards that Samsung idea of building an operating system, which is just slapping on an unnecessary skin on top of Google, mm-hmm. uh, on top of Android. Rather that
2: bad anymore.
0: Okay, all right. You're you're completely true. Yes, it is not that bad anymore, and you can install the Google Now launcher on it. But like the settings menu is still, you know, sure. Samsung, yeah, right. and and navigating through that is still... either way. Uh, this is a whole other conversation, as you guys can probably tell. Um, I will say this. Uh, From what I've used of the OnePlus 5T, I enjoyed it, but again, I never really tested out the camera. Um, Of what I've used of Patrick's Pixel 2 XL, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, but again, that's got its issues. Uh, The Pixel 2, great phone. I'm not a big fan of the bezels. Rose, you have a different opinion on the Pixel 2 than I do, certainly. Yeah,
3: I, I love it, and I'm not the type of person who watches TV on my phone, and we've talked about that before. And that's what makes the Pixel 2... Um, just fine for me in fact better than fine i I love everything about it really and the size of it um, is also good for me and for anybody who has smaller hand size so i really don't need the 2xl and i just love the the user experience and i love the camera
1: i was thinking about that the last time you brought that up and i actually from what i understand wouldn't 16 by 9 be the superior aspect ratio because there's no cropping at that point there's no black bars or letterboxing, as it called, is it called? And I know like LG is all into like eighteen by nine is the superior cinematic aspect ratio, but there's still black bars.
0: So here's the thing, right? <laughs> it's it's not it's not just a matter of the letterboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just. Right now, that's the nature of the beast. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't see Hollywood really adapting the Academy ratio to match, like, you know, two by one. Oh, mm-hmm. you
3: say that. But actually, Netflix has said it's considering making mobile cuts of yep. some of its uh, yep. mm-hmm. shows.
0: I don't like that news. <laughs> that, yeah. news is, that, that, that news is toxic to my ears. No, so the thing is, the reason that I prefer the Pixel 2 XL, the reason that I prefer, like, the the 5T to the 5 or what have you um, is just because it's a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. That, like, six inches of screen real estate, that's... You, you can get quite a bit of viewing done. That's really all that it comes down to. That's so fair. the Pixel 2's 5-inch display looks great, certainly. Um, uh, the front-facing stereo speakers are great also. Uh, but if it's a choice between a bigger screen that should look better, uh, the Pixel 2 XL, of course, is a is a, a whole other story entirely, um, then I, I personally would prefer the one that lets me engage with content. Ha, huh, engage with content. Engage with content... <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, yes it's very very funny marketing speak. Sorry, uh, you know watch videos play games in uh, a bigger screen.
3: So you'd rather the OP5 uh, or 5T did he say 5T? 5T, yes.
0: You'd
3: rather the OP5T than than the Pixel 2. That's what you would recommend this gentleman.
0: So here's the thing. Um I'm always wary and hesitant of making recommendations. <laughs> but the the thing is I personally uh, and again and in, in, in my limited experience with both devices I personally do prefer the 5T. With the single caveat being that the uh, the camera just isn't up to snuff.
1: Okay, so let's have one final vote. You each pick a phone for this gentleman. He should
2: get the BlackBerry Motion. Okay, <laughs> oh. no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's you. I'm, sure.
0: I'm currently using the BlackBerry Motion, and it is in the room that's right now. That's why I because so. <laughs> I'm looking at it.
2: Uh, he should get the. I, I would go with the One Plus Five T, just because I don't think that I could. Um, if if I was in that situation, I don't think I could be happy with the the standard Pixel Two and the bezels
0: i agree
3: one plus T. okay oh i go 100 percent pixel two and i would say like even though he only gave us two options mm-hmm. i'd recommend that against any android phone on
2: the market and as as like a side note i would say look into the s8 like i think that's a, a worthy upgrade um and if if one of the issues that he had with the phone was what samir was talking about kind of the, the skinning of it um of of, it, of Samsung's TouchWiz or whatever they're calling it—they've changed it like twenty times at this point. Well, I mean,
0: point. so I'm sorry. Before we continue, so if he's lived with a Samsung Galaxy S4 for as long I'm, as it's but, been out, I'm just he's saying, probably comfortable I'm with just the saying TouchWiz.
2: Like, maybe that's something that he didn't like about it, and that's why he wants to try something different. I guess. Um, fair, fair. I would say that it's not as bad as it as it once was. It's pretty pretty close to stock Android.
1: Um. So, Scott, what's your vote? Um, if money is not an issue, I would say get the Pixel. If you want to be kind of clever and thrifty about this, you could actually get the Essential phone, which is now priced exactly, uh, it's 650 just like the OnePlus 5T. Um, you're going to get twice the amount of storage, which will extend the, st- uh, you know, so the uh, base model 6T, or 5T, excuse me, comes with 64 gigabytes of RAM. Um, and the, whereas the Essential phone gets $128. Um, and Essential's kind of, they already have their Android Oreo beta out, Ahead of uh, OnePlus. And, you know, the weaknesses of both phones are similar. They don't... Neither has a headphone jack. Neither has waterproofing. Neither has inductive charging. And they both have kind of lackluster cameras, although...
0: Sorry, the OnePlus 5T does have a headphone jack, doesn't it?
1: It, uh, Right. The 5T has a headphone jack. So that's the one area of difference is, like, do you... Is the headphone jack um, really important to you and... You know, it does make life a lot easier, I have to say. And that was really one of the nice things about going back to the 5T was that it did have the headphone jack. So if money is not an issue, get the Pixel 2. I think that's the one that's really going to serve you well. And if you want to be a bit clever, you know, the 5T or the Essential are both really great choices. On that note, it's time for shoutouts. Let's hear them. I think it's time to start with Pat because he... You know, he so eloquently teased us with a mystery.
2: I just got to open it up so I tell the right
1: story. So someone okay, someone okay. go first. Okay, so my shout-out goes to a book I'm reading. Uh, I know every week it seems like a book club. Um, recently, and I think I shouted out uh, Kazuo Ishiguro when he won the Nobel Peace Prize, or not Peace Prize, excuse me, Nobel Literature Prize, uh, which, which... <laughs> Excuse me, uh, which Samir thinks is complete bunk, but he's wrong uh, because Murakami is not the superior author. Murakami uh, deserves his due. Okay, anyway, um, I was like, you know, I loved Never Let Me Go. If you've not read Never Let Me Go, it is a completely devastating story, beautifully written. Um, the movie eh, doesn't quite catch the magic, so read the book. Um, and I was like, you know, Kazo, man, dude, he won the literature prize. Let me see what other books the internet recommends. And I'm like, you know, best books by Kazo Ishiguro. And it was like, there was this great Guardian piece, which is like, are you a beginner level appreciator of his work? Are you an intermediate level appreciator of work? Are you an advanced appreciator of his work? And I'm like, I consider myself intermediate because I've uh, written, or excuse me, I wish I wrote those books. I did not, sadly. I'm just a hack of a writer. Um, I've read both Never Let Me Go and uh, The Remains. I can't remember. It was turned into a fantastic movie with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson, the amazing Emma Thompson. Um, that's a great movie if you want to watch it. Anyway, so having read the beginner level pieces, this was the recommended intermediate one. And it is fantastic. I t- totally recommend it if you've read the in- beginner stuff. Anyway, sorry for that very long, convoluted shout I had to give t- Patrick right. time to figure it's out great.
3: his... It's great. It was the lecture. I think right. I'm going to start on beginner level yeah. soon.
2: So, bringing back to lowbrow things that don't matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my shout-out... Well, it's not really a shout-out. I just want to tell a story that I think is fascinating and very important to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Nintendo's new Super Mario cereal is not coming to Canada devastating there's a there's a little bit of a a long tail here and i'll I'll give kind of uh, the cliff notes of it i reached out to nintendo Mm -hmm. expecting to get an answer they told me to contact kellogg's so i called up kellogg's customer service talked to them asked them if super mario cereal was coming to canada they told me you need to call the canadian kellogg's department so they transferred me to that talked to them again and a very nice customer service representative on the other end told me that they had no idea what i was talking about um, so then I heard her like typing. So she like I'm sure googled Super Mario cereal Kellogg's, and something came up. And she told me that it was just a rumor and not confirmed yet. And I was like, No, 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 no. This this is real. This this is something that's happening. I have a press release and a story opened on my computer right now. I need I need to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, Sorry, I I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so then I did some more research, and I found uh, Kellogg's specific. Uh, customer service, uh, not customer service, uh, press contact, called the number, no answer, mysteriously, right on the launch day of Super Mario Cereal. What does it mean? I don't know. So then they didn't answer me. I left a message, and then I sent an email. Got an email response within one minute. Crazy, mm. right? And they told me that it's not coming to Canada. It just looks <sighs> you like... You know what, though? You're going to win a Pulitzer for this. I hope so. It just looks like <laughs> Lucky Charms with mushrooms in it and and question mark boxes but i i want it because i think it's a pretty cool uh return to sort of interesting cereal box bonuses because i remember those fondly as a kid like getting roller coaster tycoon or a toy or whatever Um, those were the days so this has like an nfc sticker on it where you put it in your nintendo switch and it unlocks items and extra stuff in super mario odyssey which i think is kind of cool and that's all i agree nintendo do right and bring super mario Cereal to Canada. I may drive to the US just to get some because, like, I'm super into this now.
3: That's such a bad idea. Um, my shout out also goes to um, what we know in the business as a uh, shit post, or if you'd like to censor that, poop post. Um, I wrote an article about Jim Beam entering the smart home business with a smart decanter. And basically, it's, a, it's just a, a, an object that pours whiskey for you and sort of goads you into drinking more whiskey. So if you say like, hey, uh, Jim, what's the weather today? He's like, I don't know, but I know it's time for drinking whiskey. And that's <laughs> all that happens. And it's only it only works for six months after you buy it. And then they're shutting off the 3G capabilities. So what if you Very had- Very worth
2: it. What if you had your Super Mario cereal and your Jim Bean whiskey machine?
3: You put the whiskey in the cereal. Oh,
2: you'd just be living in twenty. 20- 2019. You would. would uh, be in 2031 the 2031, maybe. Even. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> I'm. I'm glad I did my shout out before Rose because I. am speechless.
0: I have no idea how I'm going to follow up. Oh wait, yes I do. <laughs> I'm going to follow up by plugging uh, one of my feature stories again. Um. Uh. There is a Toronto-based company called InstaRide that is launching. Uh, pretty much a, a ride-sharing service uh it goes live on December 1st 2017 at 3 p.m. um i'm currently writing that story so hopefully by the time you folks at home listen to this podcast it will have been published and finalized and edited and so forth uh either way i wish Instaride quite a bit of good luck um and welcome to uh, welcome to the modern ride sharing market
1: on that note Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send us a comment or a question, you can do so uh, by emailing podcast at mobilesyrup.com. And make sure to follow us on whatever your social media channel of choice is, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, uh, or any other. Google Plus, if you're a weirdo. And you can find us at mobilesyrup.com, or sorry, at mobilesyrup on social media. Obviously, mobilesyrup.com is where you can read our stuff if you're still into reading Um, where can everyone find you guys
3: you can find me at Rose Bahar on Twitter
2: you can find me talking about Super Mario Serial on Twitter at at Patrick
0: underscore O'Rourke you can find me complaining about uh, climate change on Twitter at Samir Chabra 94 climate change is bad once again and real climate change is real thank you for listening and we'll see you next week bye